This is Healing for the Nations with Pastor Carl Lewis. This program is designed to help you build your faith in God's Word, receive His healing delivering power, and experience God's best in every area of your life. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of what you may be facing, His Word and power are available to you today. Thanks for joining me again on Healing for the Nations. Great to have you join me. Today we're going to begin a series entitled Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. Really speaking on the power of repentance. We're going to be teaching along those lines over the next few weeks and I believe this is going to be a tremendously transforming time in your life as you hear the Word of God. Now I'm going to begin by a definition, Webster's definition of the word repentance. Three definitions or primary definitions that Webster gives is this, to feel sorry for an error a sin or a commission. That's number one. Number two, to feel regret over some past act, action or intention. And number three, to change one's mind. Now what I'd like you to do, I know sometimes you might be thinking, well, you're in this word repentance. Some of you who've been in churches or have heard God's word over, over a certain time period, don't think you know everything. Really suspend some of that and allow me to teach God's word. Let's listen to what God's word says about that word repentance. And again, what we're talking about is changing your mind, which will change your life. Now the third definition in Webs is what we're going to keen on for this series, which is to change one's mind. So that word repentance means to change one's mind. Now in breaking that phrase down then, to change one's mind, let's look at the word change first and what that means. So by definition, it means to take or, or take something and put it in place of another. It means to change one's clothing. For example, someone goes to the change room and changes their, their garments, changes their, their suit from one set of clothing to another. It also means to exchange. Uh, let's say someone is sitting in a theater and they're sitting maybe in a, a back row and they see up front there's some, fr some rows that are free and they say, well, let me change seats. So there's an exchange, if you will, a change of seats uh, to make different, to alter, to replace. Uh, for example, if you're entering into the fall season, it is common for us to see the change of leaves. So we really undergo a transformation of the leaves or the colors of leaves in autumn season or in the fall season. Now the word um, mind, because we said now repent, to change one's mind or to change your mind. So the word mind is what you bring your mind upon, what you think upon, what you pay attention to. Um, it means a way or state of thinking. Remember that. So a way or a state of thinking, what you pay attention to, what you direct your mind upon, to turn your thoughts and attention from something towards something else. It's what you set yourself to do and obey. So here we see now, repentance means to change your 
mind. Now the New Testament believers, they understood the power of, repent, of repentance. And I really believe a successful disciples of any age, one of the keys to the success in their life is understanding and practicing this discipline of repentance and having this work of repentance work in our lives. And you're going to see the power of repentance. You're going to see that it, for your life to reflect the image of God, to be everything God's called you to be, then repentance has to be a big part of your life and understanding that is why we're going to be teaching that to you today. Now one scripture to begin off with is this in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. Um, the, the prophet says this, you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because your tr his trust is in you. So think about that. Your level of peace is directly related to what your mind is set upon. Now we could say this also, that if the more we, um, the, let's say depression, um, oppression, which affects the mind, that will have less of an effect on the believer whose mind is stayed on God. Why? You cannot think upon God and His Word, on His promises, on His will for your life, without experiencing the peace and the goodness of God. So hence the prophet says, you'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him because His trust is in you. So the level of trust you, put, you demonstrate and put in God will be demonstrated by what you your mind is set upon. So again, looking at this word repentance, you're going to see some powerful things that's going to help your life over the next few days and next few weeks. Now, what did Jesus say about repentance? I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 4 verse 7. Jesus says this, now from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to go back a little bit and go from uh, verse 16. So at the beginning of his ministry, verse 16 says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. Now remember that word repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now, I know that most people's concept or their definition or their practice of uh, or understanding of the word repent is someone says, now Jesus come into my heart and I repent and I turn from my sins. Now that is a part of it. But what you're going to learn is this, that the New Testament church, and again, disciples of any age who experience the fullness of God's will for their life, they understood that repentance wasn't just a one-time experience. Uh, really, it wasn't just the beginning of their encounter in receiving the forgiveness of sins and the new birth. So we're going to go beyond that definition in this series as we, we get into change your mind, change your life, looking at the power of repentance. Now, of course, you need to repent upon receiving Christ because we need to realize that you are a sinner, first of all, and in need of the forgiveness of the Son of God, of God's provision of grace and mercy in His Son, Jesus Christ. So uh, no one's going to receive, you won't receive the new birth, you won't receive forgiveness of sins if you feel or believe that you're not a sinner. So of course that's necessary. But what you're going to see here is this, that the that repentance, or, or let me go on, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 7, Jesus, the first thing he says now, he began to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was Jesus saying here? 
Now this is a part of it which is really not so familiar, it might not be so familiar to you that we're going to get into. And you're going to see why this word repentance was such a key in the New Testament. Not just in Jesus' ministry, but throughout the rest of the New Testament. When Jesus said, now repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he really was saying a new kingdom is here. A new government has been issued or been ushered into the earth. So a new kingdom, a new government has arrived, which he represents. And he says, now change your mind, change your thinking in order to receive and conform your life according to this new kingdom with its new ideals, its new principles, its new precepts, so you can experience the goodness of God. So again, a new kingdom, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it's near, or it's here. So he says this, in, in saying that, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, he's saying again, a new government, a new kingdom has come. I'm representing that kingdom. I want you to listen to what I've got to say because it does represent a new way of thinking, new ideals, new principles that you'll need to get used to in order to experience the fullness of God for your life. So understand, that's a big part of what he was saying. Now, a new kingdom means a new government. A government represents a way of doing things. We're used to, where you are, I'm sure, you're used to, um, it could be a municipal election, a provincial election, a federal election where we elect, we choose to elect the kind of government and the, um, let's say, the, the mayor, the, uh, pr the premier, the government, the prime minister, uh, or the president that you will live under. And when a new government comes in, sometimes it's a tender time, and sometimes it's a challenging time, it could be a fearful time because people are thinking, well, what kind of government is going to be over me because the kind of government will di dictate the kind of rules, the kind of laws, the kind of principles you live under, whether it's, too, whether it's extremely liberal, whether it's extremely conservative, or whatever. So the thing is this, a government is important. Now you've got to understand the gospel when Jesus was preaching the gospel, it says he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he wasn't preaching a religion, he wasn't preaching a denomination, he was preaching a kingdom, he was preaching a new way of living. And so he became the example, the primary example of that when he came into the earth. Hence his statement, I'm coming, I'm preaching a, a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, I've come as a representative of heaven to show you how heaven operates. That's a big part of what he was saying. So this means, when he said now, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was really saying, now this, this kingdom is going to demand a certain change of thinking. You've been used to thinking a certain way. In order to function, in order to align yourself with this kingdom, it will demand some changes. It will demand some changes in the way you think. It will demand some changes on, on your thought life, in ideals. Things you've thought were normal before will not be normal for this kingdom. So now, this is a part of what we're getting into in understanding, changing your mind, changing your life. Again, Jesus was saying, I'm going to teach you and show you heaven's way of thinking, heaven's way of being, heaven's way of living. So it's paying attention. See, that goes far beyond just adopting some kind of religion. See, he was issuing a call to listen and to pay attention to what he was about to teach them. So a new government, a new rule was coming into the earth which men, women, and children could accept experience in their lives. So this was good news. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, 
I'm going to turn to that, but it's very commonly known. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, it's part of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this in, in, in Matthew 6, verse 10. says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, done in the earth as it is in heaven. Listen to that phrase again. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, in earth as it is in heaven. So again, two kingdoms. A kingdom that was one, those kingdom that was functioning in the earth, but God saying, listen, I'm bringing in my kingdom in the earth. I want the will of God. I want what's happening in heaven to be functioning in the earth. And that's what Jesus was emphasizing in his ministry. So again, this can only be done as we repent, as we change our mind, as we change our thinking. And that's really very, very, very important. The only way we can experience what things are like in heaven, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit, is how is by changing our mind, changing the way we think. So real Christianity demands a complete and ongoing transformation of our thinking by hearing, believing, and acting upon God's word. Now another scripture in John, in Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17 verse 21, and going back again to verse 20 I should say, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say lo here or lo there, for behold the kingdom of God is within you. That's an interesting statement. What a powerful statement. So Jesus was saying, listen, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, meaning he was visibly in their presence, communicating and demonstrating God's kingdom. But he was also saying the kingdom of God would be inside you, inside the, the disciples of Christ would be governed by the thinking that has its origin in the kingdom or government of God. This means that we would be learning and adopting to our lives as a practice and a lifestyle how God thinks relative to every area of our lives. So again, central to living the God kind of life, central, pivotal to experiencing the quality of life that God has for us is changing our mind. It's changing our mind to the way God thinks. Changing our mind to the way our king, our leader, our king supreme thinks. So adopting his thinking and the way he wants us to live and think. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus says an amazing statement. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So seek first. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when he says seek first the kingdom of God, that means seek God's way of being and doing right. So, so again, that does necessitate a, a change of thinking. Find out the way God does things. Set our mind on it. Change our mind no matter what it takes to thinking the way God thinks. To acting, believing the way he believes. To talking the way he talks. And so then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
So there's no real experiencing the God quality of life, his good plan for our lives without seeking his kingdom. Again, so pivotal to that, we need a repentance, changing our mind, changing our thought, focusing our minds, paying attention to what he has to say, and setting our mind. Again, when we talk about turning, changing, so it means going from one to another, changing our mind from what it was on before to what to something else. So changing our mind to what does the kingdom of God dictate is the way we're supposed to think in a certain way. So it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now in verse 31, he says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Gentile simply means those outside of the covenant of God. Those who have not received, heard, or, or received that covenant. For he says, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. So again, the admonition is to think like God. So God's not saying, well, don't make preparation for tomorrow. But rather, it's not to worry and think about tomorrow or your future in a negative way. So being anxious, worrying, fretting. So again, that means God wants, does God worry? No. Does he fret? No. So thinking or changing our minds to think in a way that is in line with God's kingdom meanings, means not allowing worry to rule our lives, not allowing fretting and being anxious, being overwhelmed with all kinds of worry that will get on the inside of us and eat away in our bodies and cause sickness and disease to come into us or, or, or plague our mind and cause distress and oppression and, and oppressive thoughts to come at our lives. See, that's not the way God thinks and so changing our mind means changing the way we think about things, setting our mind on his goodness, upon his provision, upon his good plan for our lives is part of this mind renewal process process that we've got to go through. So it's something, notice we said when we talk about defining change in mind, it's not just something we do casually. It's not just something we do once in a while. It's not something we do maybe on a religious day, but it's a lifestyle. It's setting our mind on the things of God. It's setting our mind on what he thinks like. Why? Because the way he thinks is the way he wants us to think so that we can experience life as he has life, which is abundant life that we may have it more abundant. So now anxious and fret, we should define that, means afraid or nervous, especially about what may happen. Feeling anxiety. That's not what God has for us. He doesn't want you. That's why this area of worry where Jesus commanded, don't worry, don't fret. The Apostle Paul picks that up in, the Philipp in Philippians where it says, don't be anxious, don't fret, don't worry about anything. Peter picks up the same things, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So the, the answer to worry and anxiety, because some of you might say, well, Carl, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the challenges, the things I'm facing. Well, Scripture tells us how to deal with that, where he says, now, casting all of your cares upon him once and for all, for he cares for you. So it's going over, getting all those things and saying, God, just you can enumerate them. Write them down. Write them as a list. 
and say, God, these are the things that I'm worried about. These are the things that have been really captivating my mind. And you said you love me. You said to cast my cares upon you in Philippians 4. You told me casting all of my cares in First Peter and also James. And so I'm going to do that right now. I'm casting the care of this situation without that I've been worried about. I cast the care of these things upon you because you care for me. In fact, whilst we do that, we're going to look at those scriptures. We'll take a few minutes just to do that because it's so important um, in our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and it says this, Be careful, again, don't fret, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, supp uh, supplication also means a petition. So we can make a petition before God, set those things before God and say, God, I put these things before you. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't want, I'm not going to be anxious over it because you told me not to worry. So I'm going to put these things in your hands. I'm casting these things in your hands. Because if we do that, or when we do it, it says the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So God wants to replace the fretting and the worry in your life with his peace, with his goodness, with his care over your life. He says he cares for you. That's God's good plan for your life. And I pray today that as you set your mind on the kingdom of God and his provision for your life, you're going to experience his very best. A peaceful mind is part of God's plan for your life. Keys to a Peaceful Mind with Pastor Carl Lewis will teach you how to overcome worry and develop a mind that is full of the goodness of God. Titles include A Peaceful Mind, Worry is Negative Meditation, A Worried Heart is a Troubled Life, and Think on the Goodness of the Lord. For a gift of any size, please call or write to request your copy of this four-part CD set, Keys to a Peaceful Mind. One of the provisions the Lord has made to help the believer to change and renew their minds to experience his best is the pastoral office. The gift of the pastor and why you need a pastor. Pastor Carl gives undeniable proof that it is God's will for you to have a pastor as he shows the benefits of the pastoral office, the main function of the office of the pastor, as well as how to relate correctly to the pastor that the Lord Jesus has assigned to your life. For a gift of any size, please call or write to request your copy of The Gift of the Pastor. Now we talked about changing your mind and changing your life. The way you think will impact your health, so your thinking. And so in this Healing Belongs to You segment, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 to 5. And I'll read that. It says, At the same time came the disciples to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily or truly I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of God. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receives me. They might say, well, what does that have to do with thinking right? Well, the thing is this, your ability to experience the kingdom of God and the blessings of God's kingdom is dependent upon your willingness to change your mind or the way you think. So what are you willing to set and keep your mind on? 
Now, with this thing about children that we just read in the scriptures, you see, children accept what is provided for them by their parents. So, children, they, the provisions that they enjoy is provided for them by their parents. So children do not make provisions for themselves. They see and they partake of what has been provided for them. So the thing is this, you and I, we need to be saying, well, I'm in, I'm a child in my father's kingdom. My father loves me. He has already made provision for me, which I will enjoy. There is no struggle. So this is the, the mindset. This is a certain mindset that we must have and maintain as children in the kingdom of God, is knowing what he's provided for us and setting our mind on that. Well, you may say, well, what has God provided for me? Well, glad you asked. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Matthew chapter 15, 21 to 28 says this, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, you son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent to the house to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, but he answered, help me, said, Lord, help me. That's what she said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat, it's not fit, it's not right, to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, true Lord, yet the dogs heed of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now the key verse here is this. In verse 26, Jesus said, it's not meat to take the children's bread. Now take the children's bread. So the thing is this, you need to know and believe, see healing is the children's bread. As a child in the kingdom of God, healing belongs to you. So this is the way you must think. Healing is my right. This is what heaven thinks about me. This is what God, your heavenly father, thinks about you. That healing belongs to you. You are a child in the kingdom of heaven. Healing is the children's bread. So again, your thinking must be, healing belongs to me. It's my right. It's my privilege. It's what belongs to me. It's what my father has provided for me as a child in his kingdom. So will you take that thought today and set your mind on it. Will you be saying, yes, healing is the children's bread. Yes, healing belongs to me today. Yes, healing is mine. I accept it. Now, this woman, this Syrophoenician woman, who was not in the nation of Israel, see, she wasn't, it didn't belong to her at that time, but yet she was strong enough, she was presumptuous enough, if you will, say, well, even if not belong to the children, and I'm not a child, but the dogs eat the crumbs. Now see, so she pulled it, she stressed it, I'll, I'll even, I'll take the crumbs. Now how much more? You're not a dog today, you're not outside of the covenant. You have even, if you're not born again, you can receive Christ and receive what he has provided for you. And part of that provision, his health and healing. And he's saying to you today, he's saying to everyone hearing this message today, healing is the children's bread. It belongs to you. It's been provided for you. That's part of what Jesus shed his blood for and secured for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. So say with me today, healing is the children's bread. I receive it from you, Father. It belongs to me, and I thank 
thank you for this provision of healing. And I will always say, and I'm going to set my mind from this moment forward on the truth, on the fact that healing is mine today. If you're in the Toronto or Greater Toronto area, I welcome you and personally invite you to join us for one of our weekly services, Sundays at 11 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at the address on the screen. I really believe that you'll be enriched, encouraged, and strengthened by the ministry of God's anointed word, as well as by the fellowship of other believers who are true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you for joining us today on Healing for the Nations with Pastor Carl Lewis. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we encourage you to partner with us financially to continue the teaching of God's Word. To give, please write to Foundation for Life Christian Ministries or securely online at foundationforlife.ca. Healing for the Nations is a ministry of Foundation for Life Christian Ministries. Visit foundationforlife.ca and avail yourself of our valuable life-building resources for free. Join us next time on Healing for the Nations.